Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 100. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you innovative, inspiring, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about celebrating my 100th podcast episode. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out my website at williamdparker.com. When I was 10 years old, I had an old tape cassette player. It was the kind that had a built-in speaker and looked like a radio the size of a small book. You know, the kind with four square buttons on top, rewind, forward, play, and record. Sometimes I'd lay on the carpet and tape myself making random comments. One day I pushed the record button and said, Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to WSM Radio. This is your host, William Parker. And for the next 20 minutes or so, I narrated my own news, weather, commercial breaks, and updates, all in different voices. Sometimes I played inside a cardboard box with a cutout rectangle opening in the front. With a pencil, I had drawn on some dials for changing channels. I would entertain any of my siblings willing to watch me and my pretend television. Once I set up chairs in rows in the living room and gathered my four siblings to sit there. We sang hymns and they listened to me preach, and afterwards I served crackers and Kool-Aid for communion. When I was in grade school, I attended a K-8 school in rural West Tennessee. It took 45 minutes to ride to and from school, and I spent a lot of time daydreaming while I looked out the rectangle bus window at the passing sagebrush, the tall pines, or the lonely farmhouses surrounded by soybean fields. There were about 35 other kids in my grade, and I must have been a struggling reader because I remember a lady, she must have been a reading specialist, who would lead me into a small room for extra reading instruction. But for my earliest memories, I've always loved stories. I can still remember the picture book my kindergarten teacher read us about the life of Abraham Lincoln. During middle school, my friends would ask me to tell them stories. I guess they were bored, but during study hall or times when we were just waiting, I would make up stories about faraway places or imaginary characters. During eighth grade, my language arts teacher, Miss Owens, said to me one day, William, next year you will be at the county high school. There are 1,800 students at that school, and they offer honors courses. I think you should enroll in advanced English. You're a good writer. No one had ever told me that before. So when I started ninth grade, English was my only advanced class, and I was so intimidated by all the other students who seemed so comfortable there. I struggled with the assignments. Formal writing, research, and grammar were so tedious. But one day our teacher, Miss Montgomery, told us, that we were learning about short stories, and our final assignment was to write our own. I earned a 99% on that paper, and I think one reason I scored so high was because the grade included points for reading it aloud, and I loved telling stories. So it shouldn't be a surprise that communicating is something that I've always loved to do. Even through college, when I plowed my way through advanced grammar and the history of the English language, what I found a love for was creative writing. And when I started teaching high school English, I was thrilled during my third year when I was given the opportunity to teach a creative writing elective. Whenever my students were writing poems or stories or one acts, I would jump right in. Not only did I want them to love writing, but writing gave me the opportunity to go places like no other medium. Let me give you an example. One day I was sitting in the dentist chair while the dental hygienist began cleaning my teeth. 
You know that grinding, buzzing, high-pitched squeal that makes you feel like you're being tortured? And during that moment, I just closed my eyes. I was back on the farm. It was spring, and I was in the garden with my grandparents. Granddaddy was wearing his khaki work clothes and his old plow boots, his John Deere hat cocked sideways over his brow, and he leaned on the handle of his hoe. And Grandma was there in her sundress, wiping her brow with the back of her wrist. The sun was beating down on us as we rode thin lines in the fresh tilled dirt. I scraped and moved and scraped and moved, walking backwards with my bare feet in the moist soil. I could smell the heat rising from the clods of the dirt, and I could feel the touch of the wooden handle as my hands vibrated with the swift pulls. Rinse, please, said the dental assistant, and I snapped back to reality. Riding has always been my way to escape. When I started blogging five years ago, I found a way to marry my love for school leadership with the pedagogy of storytelling. And later, those stories led to my first book, Principal Matters, and then finally to the second, Messaging Matters, and now to podcasting. People often ask me, how do you find time to write books? Well, I have a secret. I have learned to combine the tasks that I love. For instance, as a school principal, when I would attend after-school games or events, I would take my laptop along. And before a game or during halftime, I would write. One night, for instance, at a freshman football game, it began to rain and lightning, and the officials postponed the game. I sat in my Honda Pilot and recorded that week's podcast. I have recorded podcasts in hotel rooms, in my school office, in the cab of my car, in empty conference rooms, at an office at my church, at the kitchen table of my own house. And today is the release of my 100th podcast episode. To date, this podcast has been downloaded over 100,000 times since episode one. In some ways, storytelling feels like a one-sided conversation, but I always try to keep others in mind when I'm sharing. And when someone reaches out to me after one of my posts, I get pulled back into the reality that this conversation really is two-sided. Several weeks ago, for instance, I received an email from Melissa Ferguson, principal of Tishomingo Elementary School in Oklahoma. And here's what she wrote with permission to share. I'm not one to brag and light my own candle, so please know and hear my heart as I share a few things that have helped tremendously in building relationships this school year. I share only in the hopes that you might share with others that are struggling in ideas for relationship building. She continues, Due to budget restraints, my staff numbers have continued to decrease each year. No one's been fired, but as teachers and staff members have resigned, we've not been rehiring or replacing them. As this has been the practice for the past two or three years, I'm operating on a skeleton crew. Last spring, my elementary school counselor and school nurse both left. I was given the challenging task of operating with, without both of these key people, but also without a decrease in morale. Before, I was many times seen as the bad cop, while my counselor was able to play the good cop. I was determined to change the stereotype as I knew I would need to serve in both capacities. I needed my staff and students and parents to trust me like never before. It has been a great challenge that has grown my staff and grown me. I began by taking my staff on a school field trip, she continues, before school began. The last week of July, we visited the Air and Space Museum in Tulsa. We ate at Ted's Mexican Restaurant. Our school theme for the year became Journey to the Stars, and Air and Space was our common platform teachers used to decorate and prepare for the year. The field trip was a wonderful time of relationship building with staff. They were also given their class lists for the new year so that they knew what students would be in their classes. This was huge for elementary teachers. On Wednesday mornings, she said, we as a staff now have a voluntary midweek pick-me-up 
It's a devotional time at 7 o'clock in the morning. This has been a great time of sharing encouraging words or thoughts or songs or verses. It's incredibly exciting how much this is strengthening us and drawing us closer together. Now, the challenging task of building positive relationships with my students and families was a little more difficult, she continues. So I stepped out of the ordinary and set up what I called principal fun visits with families. I asked families if they would want me to visit their homes to simply have a play date with their students. I had over 120 families respond yes. So after school, I go home and I change out of my principal clothes and I jump into my pal clothes, wearing t-shirts and athletic pants or shorts. Activities at the home to date have included feeding horses, cows, chickens, collecting eggs, riding in a razor around a golf course while students drive, riding in a ranger to check fences while the student was driving, playing soccer, basketball, Uno, Monopoly, Jenga, and other games, making slime, climbing a tree, playing disc golf, playing school where I was the student and the kid was the principal. This one has a great story. Coloring and drawing, playing Barbie, decorating pumpkins, climbing in a bat cave, jumping on a trampoline, playing cops and robbers, digging in the dirt with loaders and dump trucks. This list truly goes on and on. She concludes this way. The bottom line is that this project of principal fun visits, the midweek pick-me-ups, the celebrating birthdays, the showing honor and value to students and staff have turned the atmosphere of my school around. I have parents and students and staff that have commented something along the line of, what is different this year? I'm not sure what it is, but I like it. It is truly amazing the change I've seen in the discipline referrals and complaints from teachers or parents and the attitudes of my students and staff. Melissa Ferguson from Tishomingo Elementary School, thank you for sharing your story of how relationships have changed your leadership and changed the way that you serve others. It's when I receive messages like this from Melissa that I'm reminded why we need connection with one another, why we are not alone in our desire to make a difference in the lives of others. And at the same time, we all have different gifts and skills for the ways that we do it. A few weeks ago, I was having lunch with a friend of mine who is a director for a career tech center. While I was eating a sweet potato fry, he looked at me and said, Will, I'm glad you like to speak because I wouldn't enjoy what you do. I was surprised. Somehow in my mind, I thought everyone would enjoy public speaking or telling stories or writing or podcasting. When I asked him to elaborate, he said he loved working with people one-on-one or in teaching classes, but talking to strangers was intimidating and something he just didn't enjoy. Sometimes I forget that what I consider enjoyable may not be fun to others. But when I thought more about this later, I realized that what may seem normal for me may seem unique or even extraordinary to others. And I believe the same is true for everyone. So let me ask you to think about this for just a moment in evaluating your own practice. What is a normal everyday task that you accomplish that may seem uncomfortable or unique to someone else? And have you thought about the ways that you might begin sharing those unique ideas with others? Now let me point these next few thoughts to those of you who relate to my love for storytelling. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a friend, Dr. Judy Barber, who was the guest on my 99th podcast episode. I was explaining how blogging and podcasting and social media have helped me create a platform for sharing with others. I'm wondering, I said, whether or not there may be others who would like to learn from me some ways they can build their own digital platforms, how to create their own digital footprint. Well, she said, matter-of-factly, why don't you just ask them in your next episode? Put a shout-out in there and say, if you'd like to join a special group to learn ways that you can build your own platform, let me know. So 
As I'm celebrating this 100th podcast episode and I'm thinking about my love for storytelling, I've decided to take Dr. Barber's advice. You may be interested in some kind of follow-up, or you may not be, but here's my shout-out. If you are an education leader who wants to build a stronger platform for sharing your stories, let me ask you four questions. Are you interested in learning about the mindset that it takes for platform building? Two, do you want to learn strategies and processes for sharing and messaging with wider audiences? Three, would you like ideas on how you can utilize your specific pedagogy to target specific engagement? And number four, would you like to learn more about building a digital footprint? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then I just want you to email me at will at williamdparker.com. Simply say, count me in in the message and include your contact information. I'll reach back with some ideas that I'm thinking about for building a PLC around how to grow your own capacity for platform building. And if you answered no to those questions, you probably stopped reading this post already or you've turned off this episode. But if not, thank you for staying with me. So let me wrap up all of these thoughts that I've been sharing this week. I know so many of them have seemed random, but I simply wanted to share from my heart this week some thoughts that I've had as I've thought about all the storytelling I've done over 100 episodes. And I want to finish with this story. Last week, I was speaking at an event for assistant principals in southern Alabama. I flew into Pensacola, Florida the day before, and I checked out a rental car. And as I was waiting in line for the car, the attendant told me that they did not have the requested economy model ready. And he said, how would you feel about driving a Mustang? No extra charge. Sure, I said, that sounds fun. And a few minutes later, I was cruising by the Gulf Shores in a brand new white Mustang. The sun was setting orange on the horizon, and I pulled into a public beach and walked out onto the sand. Tall grass was swaying in the dunes. White sand stretched across a scarlet horizon. The wind pushed at me through the sounds of crashing waves, and I felt like I was watching myself play someone else's part in a story. The next day, I was on the way back to the airport, and I pulled up to a streetlight. To my right was a Kubota backhoe perched over a hole on the side of the road, and two men in yellow vests were in that hole up to their shoulders. I could see them plying their shovels. Orange plastic pipes jangled in and out of the hole, and suddenly one of the men jumped up and down on the plastic pipes till the momentum pushed him in the air, and he caught the side of the ditch with his knees and climbed out. He stood up tall on the level ground and began laughing. At that moment, he caught my eye. And we smiled at each other before the light turned green and I drove away. And as I passed rows of coconut trees, I couldn't help but think back to the joy in that man's eyes as he made the most of a hard job. And I had this thought, hard work brings a joy of its own. I'm thankful that storytelling is work that I enjoy. I may not have my old tape recorder in my hand any longer, and I've lost that old cardboard box TV a long time ago, but... I still love to tell stories. So in this 100th episode celebration, I just want to say this week, thank you for letting me tell you stories. Stories about life, stories about leadership, stories about why what you do matters. If you'd like other free resources like today's, you can check out Posts for School Leaders at my website at williamdparker.com. Until next time, have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.